Welcome to Common Sense Coalition Talk Radio, where you'll find straight talk from people with good old common sense. I trust your opinion. And now, for your host, he's putting sense back into nonsense. Absolute insanity. Well, you can hear me on the radio. Your host, Beth Ann. And I welcome you today to CSE Talk Radio. It's my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you today. Before we get started, I want to uh, uh, send a love and a hug out to those in the small town of Missouri, Wooldridge. There was a fire that took place in that town, in that area, t- this weekend, and uh, four to five um well, I'm not sure how many acres were burned, but uh, it was devastating. Half the town was lost. It was a small little town on the river, and uh, it's just devastating to this community. And uh, many of them went to school in the in the surrounding either Boonville or Prairie Home or Jamestown areas, and uh, uh they had a little Baptist church there, and I thought it was ruined. This little particular article here says they managed to save the church and the post office. And the community center. And the community center. Now, all those are on a flat. And then the other side is on a hill, as they're right there, uh, not far from the river. And I don't know. I didn't get to. I was studying other things this morning, and I meant to study that a little more. The rumor around here is that it was a combine that accidentally started the fire and it has been very dry in the state of missouri Uh, we're supposed to get some rain tonight let's hope it's enough but uh, it's been very dry and it was windy on saturday when this happened and uh so we just no one was was killed uh there was one injured and i don't know what the state of that injury was but they're okay and uh It's just devastating. I I just, I haven't heard enough of the story to know exactly what took place. It doesn't really matter exactly, but it is devastating. So let's remember those in the Wooldridge area in Missouri. It's only a town of about 50, but they were 50 people very close. And uh, it's just uh, a family, you know, their family. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. For such a time as this, most gracious Heavenly Father, we take a moment to pray for those in Wooldridge, Missouri, and the devastation that they are feeling right now. I lost a home in a fire, and I know how devastating it is, starting all over again, not knowing where to begin. So we lift these up to you, Father, and we praise you that no one was really hurt not physically, in this fire. Pray for those who have lost so, so much, the farmers who lost their their harvest, those who lost their homes. Father, this little community, close-knit community, as they hug one another and cry, we lift them up to you now, Father. We know that they have good neighbors And they're going to get help. But it is a long way back. 
to rebuild. Father, we just praise you for the great I am that you are, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I know I say that every day, but Father, there's no other way to explain who you are, the creator of all life, the agape love in this world. Father, I pray for the believers in this nation. They are timid. I pray for boldness and courage as we are in these troubling times. And we see the sin all around us, and many of us have our own sins. Father, may we be a repentant people that look to you and to your word for guidance. And may we heed that calling and move forward to be your beacon. I ask, Father, for your protection over those in prison, the J6 group that have not been uh, allowed due process and they have not been allowed justice. Rumors are that some of them are being tortured. Only you know the truth, Father. And I pray that you will be with them. I pray that you will be with President Donald Trump as he continues to be bombarded with persecutions and allegations that are untrue. All for political gain. Father, I pray to you that you will restore truth in this nation and justice. That your justice be done. And I know that's a scary thing to ask for because what we deserve is is your wrath. And Father, may we, if that's what we have to endure, may we grow ever so closer to you. For such a time as this, I believe you have placed me here. I know not why, but I believe you have. And it is in Jesus' name that I always pray. Amen. I think I misplaced the quote that I was going to share with you today. So we'll get it during the break, and I'll share it with you. But you're going to find this a little bit weird, a little bit odd, but you know, you're used to me. America needs more village blacksmiths. I can't explain why, but I've always enjoyed poetry. Some people just think it's boring and they don't understand it. And I won't claim that I always understand it, but I enjoy it. Now, I'm not absorbed in it that I sit and read poet books all day, but I do enjoy them. And as a young girl, I had a poem poet book. I had a poet. <laughs> it was a poem book. I'm not sure where I got it, um, but it was Robert Louis Stevenson. And I remember as a young girl in school, I had to memorize a few poems. Did you have to do that? I was in junior high, and I was in speech class. Don't ask me why I took speech class but in junior high, but I did. I think it was more of a literary class. But we got to choose a poem, a poem of our choice, to memorize it and recite it. We were not to make it sound sing-songy. So the challenge was not to go da 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 da. I chose the swing. Now I remember that poem being much longer than it was here when I had to memorize it. It was by Robert Louis Stevenson, and I was a child, and I liked to swing, and I still like to swing, even though I'm afraid of heights. I love to swing. How do you like to go up in a swing? Up in the air, so blue. 
Oh, I do think it's the pleasantest thing ever a child can do. Up in the air and over the wall, till I can see so wide, rivers and trees and cattle and all over the countryside, till I look down on the garden green, down on the roof so brown. Up in the air I'll go flying again, up in the air and down. That seemed much longer when I had to memorize it. Maybe I only got part of the sh- of the uh, poem today. But I know what you're thinking. Okay, Beth, why are we having this blast from the past, and why should we care? <laughs> well, maybe you don't care. I don't know. But what are the children learning today in public school? Literature requirements include... Do their literature requirements include any great old literature or or poetry? We know the woke prefer porn stories over Aesop's fables, like the hare and the tortoise, the, the fox and the hedgehog, the frogs asking for a king, the goose that laid the golden egg. Oh my goodness, that's a that's a great one. Or the fox and the grapes. Remember those Aesop stories. The great poets of our past should not be allowed to pass away. Robert Frost, Robert Louis Stevenson, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, you know, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. And there were numerous female poets as well as with Barrett Browning, Emily Dickinson, Mayo Angelo, and more. We're going to visit one poem in particular when we come back. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann, and yes, I do have news for you, and we'll be right back. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future, agrees that America is blessed with an abundance of reliable energy sources. Our natural resources are the lifeblood of our nation and have made our nation prosperous. Rule America is the heart of production in this nation. Our food, manufacturing, trucking, and yes, our energy. Power the Future promotes jobs in Rule America, specifically our energy jobs. These jobs are all under attack. Wealthy radicals like Tom Steyer's George Soros promised to break the nation's energy independence. Their beloved Green New Deal attacks all that is good in this nation. Our food, our land, our jobs, our families, and of course, our gassy cows. Power the Future is fighting for you, rule America. Join them. Visit PowerTheFuture.com. See the latest news and donate to those who are fighting for you. PowerTheFuture.com. Power the Future is fighting to keep America's lights on. You can look for the silver lining or you can strengthen your portfolio with gold and silver. Optimism is planning for your own financial future. Melody Cedarstrom of Discount Gold and Silver Trading has been watching our economy and the banksters for well over 20 years. The U.S. has an unsustainable debt. While the timing of a collapse cannot be predicted, we know the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back weighs heavier and heavier with each new stimulus and omnibus bill. Because of our debt and the lack of solid backing, those fiat dollars in your pocket continue to deflate in value. However, gold stays true, true wealth. Give Melody Cedarstrom a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Discount gold and silver trading for all your precious metal needs. And join Melody weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Financial Survival Radio. Visit DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. 
Made in America is more than just a slogan. It's a brand we all look for to better this nation's economy. Liberty Tabletop is the brand of Cheryl Manufacturing, the only manufacturer of flatware in the United States of America. Liberty Tabletop creates high-quality flatware at a competitive price using the finest quality 1810 chromium nickel stainless steel. Oh, and by the way, the steel they use is also made in the USA. The steel is tested for lead and other toxic trace elements, so you bring to your family a safe and pure product that will last for generations. Setting your table is an important part of every meal. The patterns you choose say something about you and your family. Bringing America home with LibertyTabletop.com or go to my website, csetalkradio.com, and click on their link. Call Liberty Tabletop at 844-386-2338. Use the promo code BETHANN and receive 10% off your purchase. LibertyTabletop.com. We have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. If you'll just bear with me just a little bit, and we're going to get to the news. I've got some good news, and I've got some just a lot of questions for you this morning. But um, Robert Louis Stevenson and Robert Frost and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow were all great poets, and I doubt that our children, even my children, well, they probably know a few of them, but I doubt that the grandchildren know any of them. You know, we were hard-pressed to find the grandchildren in uh School today, grade school children that even knew who John Wayne was. So, you know, we're losing some of the great. But there's a writer who is doing a series, and he's it's called uh, Word and Song by Anthony Esselin. And he's every now and then a little got a little snippet on American greatness. And it caught my eye today. Uh, he's reclaiming the good and the beautiful and the true. And uh, he's got some essays, and I think I'm going to join his little website, which means there's more stuff that's going to fall down into my emails. <laughs> and last week, I read an article by Dennis Prager stating that the left and the woke hate the past, and they will not preserve it, but they will participate in destruction of it. And that includes poetry, especially if it has a moral meaning. Indulge me, if you will. As I share this latest explanation of The Village Blacksmith, I'm just going to read it to you. I want you to close your eyes unless you're driving. Please don't close your eyes if you're driving. And envision this man, The Blacksmith. The Village Blacksmith by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Under a spreading chestnut tree, the village smithy stands. The smith, a mighty man, is he with large and sinewy hands, and the muscle of his brawny arms are strong as iron bands. His hair is crisp and black and long. His face is like the tan. His brow is wet with honest sweat. He earns whatever he can, and looks the whole world in the face, for he owes not any man. Week in, week out, from morn till night, you can hear his billows blow. You can hear him swing the heavy sledge with measured beat and slow, like a sexton ringing in a village bell when the evening sun is low. And children coming, from, coming home from school look in at the open door. They love to see the flaming forge and hear the billows roar. 
and catch the burning sparks that fly like chaff with a threshing floor. He goes on Sunday to the church, and he sits among his boys. He hears the parson pray and preach. He hears his daughter's voice singing in the village choir and makes his heart rejoice. It sounds to him like her mother's voice singing in paradise. He needs must think of her once more, how in the grave she lies. And with his hard, rough hand, he wipes a tear of his eyes, toiling, rejoicing, sorrowing. Onward through life he goes. Each morning sees from some task begin. Each evening sees it close. Something attempted, something done, has earned a night's repose. Thanks, thanks to thee, my worthy friend, for the lesson thou hast taught. Thus at the flaming forge of light our fortunes must be wrought. Thus on its sounding anvil shaped each burning deed and thought. Can we not glean a great lesson in this one man's life, as explained by Longfellow? I underscored a couple of things. For he owes not any man. He's not living beyond his means. He's earning his living, working hard. He sits in church, he listens to the preacher, and he sits there with his boys, a family. His wife, he has lost, a daughter he has, who reminds him of his wife. Toiling, rejoicing, and sorrowing. Just like any other great American. America is missing the blacksmiths today, or perhaps we have many of them, and they're humbly silent as they serve their God and their family and their community. Rise up, O oh blacksmiths in America. We need your wisdom and your tenacity to assist us as we bring America home. You know, I have forgotten about a lot of those poems of the past Oh, we've read, and it's very lengthy, The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. And I wrote my own one. I wrote my own. I don't know if you remember that or not. But I think it's good that we go back and we read these poems or these fables. <laughs> remember Tar Baby? Remember the fables that taught you a lesson? Taught you a lesson against jealousy and envy Taught you a lesson against selfishness. Taught you a lesson against lying. You know, the, the little boy that kept crying wolf. Or what about the little boy who saved the community by putting his finger in the dike? Stories that meant something. They, they taught children how to grow with integrity and honesty. And the village blacksmith is a portrayal of a man who loved his God, he loved his family, and he served in his community. Honestly. He didn't run up a debt. He owed no man anything. But he earned every dollar he had 
by sweat. I think we lack knowing what that's like today in America. Not everyone. We live in a farming community. We see these guys out there farming. You know, I told you the story of the combine that my son was, he had a, he was broke down somewhere in, in uh, between Nebraska and Kansas. I think he was still in Nebraska. He had attended a conference, and he was headed home. He had an old van, and it broke down on him. And he's sitting there on the side of the road, and it's dark. And he sees this light far away, and he recognized it. It took him home when we lived on the farm. And he could see the light that flashed as that combine was combining in the dark. And it reminded him of his father when he was out combining at night, trying to get done before the weather changed, working by the sweat of their brow, earning. Unfortunately, we don't live as the blacksmith did, not in debt. He owed no man anything. They lived a simpler life. Simple is good. Keep it simple. I said I wouldn't say stupid, but that's the way the saying goes. Keep it simple. Well, simple is not the way we're being led. (laughs) But we are being led by stupidity. I will say the word again. We're being led by arrogance, ignorance, but mostly by corruption. I have this story here, and it's talking about the diesel fuel. It's kind of nobody's talking about the shortage of diesel fuel. Everybody's talking about the shortage of the gasoline at the pumps and what it's going to cost you to heat your house this winter. By the way, I talked to my son in in Charleston yesterday. They got some of that cold snap we had go through here, and it got down in the 30s down there. He said, oh, it's chilly. It was chilly. And they're not far from North Carolina, where they can go up in the mountains, and they're getting ready. He's been asked to do this conference, lead this conference, and they're paying for him and the kids and his wife all to go. So they're going to go see maybe some snow in the mountain because my granddaughter didn't realize she wasn't going to have any snow. She loves South Carolina, but she said, when I looked at her, you don't going to come back to Missouri? And she shook her head no, and I said, well, how are you going to build a snowman? And she kind of stopped her head. She kind of gave me this look like... I hadn't thought of that yet. (laughs) All right. Diesel fuel. We're going to talk about diesel fuel. I have been very emotional and chasing a few rabbits today. I hope maybe I've, I've helped you do that as well because, you know, sometimes we need to get back to life. Absolutely need to get back to life. Let's talk about the diesel fuel shortage and what that's going to mean to you and to me. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann, and we'll be right back.
we have returned to listening to CSC Talk Radio. I hope you're still with me. I have aboard you with my little tearful remem- remembrances and such. But uh, I was trying to remember. I had a, a poet book that's one of the uh, youth when I was a uh, youth leader gave me. Uh, it it I lost that one. I lost the house in the fire. But uh, it was a poetry book, and I, I do like poem. And there was another one that that I had when I looked up all the. Uh, poetry of women i didn't find her name on there and i can't remember her name but i i would have recognized it i've probably got it back here in one of the shelves but biden's diesel fuel supply crisis could soon cripple america in ways never before seen this is unprecedented what's going on here in america my friends diesel doesn't get as much of the limelight as oil and gas But it should, because diesel fuel is the industrial lifeblood of the United States. Now, this is coming from PJ Media, and the writer is Ryan Lindendecker. As Bloomberg uh, noted, he said this week, the U.S. has just 25 days of diesel supply, the lowest since 2008, according to the Energy Information Administration. At the same time, the four-week rolling average of uh, dist- distillates supplied, a proxy for demand, rose to its highest seasonal level level since 2007. The Biden administration is remaining silent, probably hoping that the dismal news doesn't hit the mainstream media like they're going to tell it, before the coming election. Bloomberg also noted that the diesel crunch comes just weeks ahead of the midterm elections and has the potential to drive up prices for consumers who already view inflation as the economy as the top voting issue. (laughs) Maybe they're hoping they'll make it so bad we can't drive to the polls. Retail prices have been steadily climbing for more than two weeks at 5.324 a gallon. They're 50% higher than this time last year, according to AAA data. Aside from the remark of the White House, on, which has done nothing, little to nothing, and I'm just, I put my little word in there intentionally. It's intentional. But they've done little to nothing, he says, about the issue. An issue that could further cripple confidence in the ability of Democrats to lead America through tough times as they've already proven on many occasions over the past two years. Now, it's, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm telling you what I see. And what I see is the Democrats intentionally destroying this nation. Why? Because they don't like this country. They do not like America. And they want to make America a socialist, communist, Marxist country. Why? Because they see themselves as the dictators. That's why. They could care less about you, America. Now, you remember when we had, and we still have, the supply chain problem. So I don't know what constitutes temporary or permanent with Buttigieg, but he made the comment... We don't want, somebody told him what they should do about the supply chain issue. Well, we don't want a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Well, the problem we see 
the problem you and I see are the victories of the left. They wanted you to be hurting. They wanted you to have to pay higher prices at the pump. They want you to pay dearly to heat your home or cool your home. It serves their narrative. They don't believe in climate change any more than the dog down the street. I don't know if the dog down the street really is. Don't ask me where I came up. <laughs> Rudy's making all kinds of faces, scratching his head. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that. But I'm pretty sure the dog down the street doesn't believe in climate change. <laughs> oh, I don't know about me sometimes. They don't believe in it. They don't live like they believe in it. They don't act like they believe in it. But they will punish you to make you believe in it. Because, you see, they're profiting from it. They're profiting from this hoax. And, unfortunately, many people in this country aren't as wise as the dog down the street. And they are following and believing in it. (laughs) Makes no difference if he is a hound. You got to quit kicking my dog around, Rudy. <laughs> He's still shaking his head. I am too. Laugh until I cry. So that's just something I've put in your ear right now, and you need to pay attention to what the diesel fuel is. Now I've got some friends that are truck drivers, and I would assume that they use diesel in those trucks. Do they use diesel in the uh, smokehouse trucks? I would think that they did. And uh, when I'm talking about Smokehouse, I'm talking about Burger Smokehouse. And I think you should call them and order some uh, bacon and some ham and some summer sausage. They've got the best in the world. And tell them Beth Ann sent you. You tell them CSE Talk Radio right there in their town sent you there. I have a reason for that. Just tell them. Anyway, winning the Senate and the House... I know they keep pushing this. Last night I watched Levin. He didn't seem happy about having to do the show that he was having to do because he's pushing everybody who's running for election. Well, actually, he's pushing Ted Cruz has written a book. Who's going to push my book when I write it? I guess I am. I hope I can sell a few copies. It's not written yet. I don't know how much it's going to be, but we are very close to finished with it. We are very, very close to the first rough draft finished of it. But. Winning the Senate and the House, I believe, is necessary, but it's only part of it. You know, while everybody is just fawning, and I am too, I just love DeSantis and what he's done. I love what um, Christy Nome has done. They have, we have a few of the uh, Republican governors that have really, I'm, I'm not going to brag on Missouri's governor. We have a Republican governor, but I'm not going to brag on him. But we have a few that stuck to the Constitution and common sense, and their states weathered the storm much better than other states. So while I do think that DeSantis would make a wonderful president, right now I think it's important for we to have these constitutional protecting governors where they are. Because that is the uh, way we're going to win this country back, America. 
the blacksmiths have got to start standing up and taking notice. But the Senate and the House, we need to win that over. But the governorships and the attorney generals and the judges matter greatly. They matter greatly. I have a very lengthy article from Victor Davis Hanson. <laughs> I had to put et tu, Brutus, on here, Rudy, because I'm showing Rudy. Can you not see that on the radio? And um, because he kept he kept calling it. Well, he 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 titled it, Will Democracy Die in Darkness After November? And he had numerous questions here, and I'll share them later this week. I think um, uh, Wednesday probably I will share those. It, it, very interesting. But I've got a couple of things that I want to share before we close. I hear the music. We have a victory out of the state of California. Can you believe it? We have a constitutional victory out of the state of California that I'm excited to share with you. And I hope you will stay tuned. And I also want to talk about what the RNC is doing about election integrity. I have that to share with you as well. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. We need more blacksmiths in America. And by blacksmiths, I don't necessarily mean a blacksmith. I mean a man of that kind of constitution, that man of integrity and hardworking. Love God, family, and country. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Have you heard about vine-to-bar chocolate? It's the winemaker's chocolate, the world's first chocolate made with well-vined Chardonnay Mark from the beautiful coastal vineyards of North America. Gently pressed grapes are harvested after juicing, dried, and finely milled and carefully blended into the finest dark chocolate. The Chardonnay Mark contains highly beneficial grape nutrients, flavanols, and has a natural sweetness that flavors the luscious dark chocolate. Mouth-watering, flavorful, delectable dark chocolate goodness with Chardonnay sweetness and beneficial nutrients. And it's alcohol-free, too. It's vine-to-bar chocolate. Order some today at vinetobar.com. That's V-I-N-E-T-O-B-A-R.com. Cold ship to your door, it's Vine to Bar. Vine to Bar chocolate. Visit us at vinetobar.com. Don't miss Abby Johnson as she delivers a message of life in St. Charles, Missouri for Vitae Foundation's annual pro-life event on Thursday, October 27th at St. Charles Convention Center in St. Charles, Missouri. Abby is the author of the national best-selling book and movie adaptation, Unplanned, which tells the story of her powerful conversion from abortion clinic director to outspoken pro-life advocate. Abby believes in the work of Vitae Foundation as they utilize digital marketing strategies to connect abortion-determined women with life-saving resources at local pregnancy help centers. Reserve your seat today by going to adsforlife.org. Again, that's Abby Johnson on October 27th in St. Charles at the Convention Center in St. Charles, Missouri. Before this event sells out, register today at adsforlife.org. That's adsforlife.org. 
Hi, I'm Elmer Heinrich. My company sells a nutritional product called Immuno 150. If you haven't heard of it, you need to go to the website immuno150.com or call our toll-free number. Now, we sell to thousands of consumers, and our reorder rate is above 94%. Now, many people ask us how we can sell a month's supply of Immuno 150 for less than $50 when most of our competition is $70 to $80 a month. It's simple. We don't pay celebrities or testimonial people to say something good about the product. Immuno 150 stands on its own with 70 minerals and 80 other nutrients. It doesn't need any help, and it has more than color, taste, and smell. I am 88 years old, and my wife is 79, both with no dementia, arthritis, or allergies, and no aches or pains of any kind, nothing, all because of Immuno 150. Now, check the number of minerals in the product you take. Don't be surprised if you don't find more than 12. Order Immuno 150 to see what 70 minerals can do for you. Call our toll-free number, 888-316-2224. Mike Lindell and MyPillow are offering a BOGO extravaganza on multiple MyPillow products. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their sleep with MyPillow. Right now, take advantage of Mike's buy one, get one free pricing on MyPillow's bed sheets, Giza Elegance MyPillows, six-piece towel set, and roll-and-go anywhere MyPillows, and so much more. Just go to the radio listener specials page at MyPillow.com and use promo code Bethann or call 1-800-978-6168. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on select products. You will also receive Mike's book absolutely free with any purchase. Call 1-800-978-6168 or go to the radio listener special page at MyPillow.com. Promo code Bethann. We have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. So I'm going to share a couple of news. I'm going to stop being all emotional and all crazy, maybe, and share with you some news. This judge rules in favor in the state of California. It's the California baker who refused to bake some the same-sex wedding cake. Now, this is a California judge, and he ruled in favor of the baker. It says the New York Post reports that Kathy Miller, the owner of Tastery's Bakery um, in Bakersfield, was sued by the state's Department of Fair Housing and Employment after she refused to bake a cake for Elaine and Maria Rodriguez del Rio. The state accused Miller of violating the UNRWA Civil Rights Act, a state anti-discrimination law, a state anti-discrimination law. After Miller's attorney argued that she was protected by her First Amendment right to religious and freedom of religion and that being forced to bake the cake would violate her religious beliefs, the Kern County Superior Judge Eric Bradshaw sided with the defendant. In his ruling on Friday, Bradshaw determined that Miller had not committed a crime by turning the couple down and was well within her rights of to, by upholding her own religious beliefs. I'm hoping that in our community we can grow together. That's a statement from Miller. And we should understand that we shouldn't push any agenda against anyone else. We're not allowed to push our Christian faith on other people. Not to push it. We're allowed to share it. 
Anyway, we anticipate that our appeal will be a different result, and that's coming from one of those that just lost. Miller's case had already gone from Kern County Superior Court, where the court once again ruled in her favor, so she's won twice now, before the decision was vacated by the 5th District Court of Appeal, thus sending the lawsuit back to the county for Bradshaw's latest ruling. It's not only does she have the right to turn down work, It is also the Eighth Amendment that says you cannot punish them unrealistically. That's not the word used there. To where they can't make a living. And that's what they've tried to do with these bakers. I think one of the bakers was in Colorado, and this one's in California. There was a florist, and I can't remember where she was, who had served the community. She would sell. She didn't, she just said she would not serve and make the floral arrangements for the gay wedding. Because it went against her faith. It's not like they couldn't go to some other florist or some other baker. I think they picked these out knowing that that would happen to make a point and to sue them and to force people into capitulating. That's my opinion. And it's wrong on the First Amendment, and it's wrong on the Eighth Amendment. Nobody ever brings that up except to me. I've not heard anyone else, all these fancy-dancy lawyers we got across this great nation, but I haven't heard any of them bring the Eighth Amendment up. All right, so the RNC is launching 73 election integrity lawsuits across the 20 states. Already found problems for to this election coming up in a couple of weeks. Now, this is the same RNC that wouldn't do anything with the 2020 election. Well, they did very little, let's put it that way. They might have done a few things. I don't trust Ronna Romney McDaniel. She is Romney's niece. I don't trust her, but she is the RNC person right now. And um, they have filed 73 different lawsuits in 20 different states alleging various violations of election procedure and resulting in several key victories with two weeks to go before the midterm. I also believe, this is just Beth's opinion, that there was a problem in the 2018 election that was never looked into. Now, when I go to the uh, article that uh, Victor Davis Hansen wrote, he talks a little bit about this election coming up. And he said, it's, I guess it was just a, a given that any time in, in the midterm elections when a president is new and he's got the first election two years after he's in, that he loses House and Senate seats. So he said it was going to happen regardless. And he claims in this, and we'll, we'll go into detail on that on Wednesday when I'm on my own again. Tomorrow we have Daniel Turner, I hope. And um, he's been traveling so much that we're not sure whether he'll be with us or not, but we're hoping he will be. Because I would really like to discuss uh, this uh, diesel fuel issue with him. 
But he mentions in that about them winning. And he also goes on and he talks. He has numerous questions, which I think you will find very interesting. I, I really like Victor Davis Hanson, even if, even if he does keep saying democracy. But um, he says at the end, when they lose, and they lose big, bigly, <laughs> that they will blame Joe Biden. And then he has questions as to what will the new majority do. And he says that the minority, well, the ones who have majority now, the Democrats, are in fear that the Republicans will do what they would do, which is exactly what they did. They went after Trump to impeach him. They did this. They did that. I don't see it going down that way, even though we're getting lots of promises from the Republicans who want our votes. I don't see it going down that way. I hope that they do, but I hope they do it the right way. The Democrats did everything the wrong way with corruption and deceit. They lied. There is no lying about what Joe Biden is and isn't doing. It's just the flat-out truth. But anyway, they've launched 73 election integrity lawsuits across 20 states, and we will see what happens. It says, after the shortcomings at the last election, oh, now we're calling them shortcomings, a proactive and preemptive legal strategy is critical to the election integrity voters deserve in 2022, 2024, and beyond. And that's being said by Michael Bars, executive director of the Election Transparency Initiative. We have so many, so many committees, so many organizations, so many foundations. Later this week, we're going to talk a little bit about electric vehicles, too. Maybe we'll get that done tomorrow. Maybe we'll bring that up with uh, with um, Daniel. But I've been doing a quick study, mainly I made Rudy do it, and uh, about electric vehicles and when we had the first electric vehicle. So you might do a little research, and uh, that's not something they teach our kids in school. But I think it's time that we did a little research in the history because there is a significance of the passage of time. You know, because there is the passage of time, and it is significance, and, uh, you know... All that kind of stuff. I hope you had some fun today. I hope you can go ahead and read a a little bit of poetry today and bring America home.